Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're starting a new series today entitled The Gift Exchange. How many of you love to give gifts at Christmas? Okay, five of you. How many of you love to get gifts at Christmas? Okay, that doubled. How many of you just aren't awake right now? Okay. Um, you know, I can think of some gifts that uh, I've been a part of, gifts exchange. I remember Secret Santas. Those are always kind of fun. They don't know who it is. They have to guess. Maybe you've been a part of that before. Um, how many of you love white elephant gifts? Okay, anybody know what that is? If I'm maybe introducing that to you, you can give it a try this Christmas. You take random items, you wrap it up, and then you give them to people. It's just, you don't even go out and really buy them, really. It's, it could be whatever's laying around the house. Or uh, My family, we did that for a few years until it got a little bit out of hand, and we just thought maybe we should go a different route with that. But I remember I uh, went to Goodwill one time, and Brady and I found a birdcage, so I wrapped up this birdcage, and then one of my family members, the rule was, whatever you get, you got to drive home with you, um, and so that was always fun. We, we had lots of fun with that, um, you know, just thinking about all the gifts that went around and the laughter, and those were kind of goofy, but you can probably think of some gifts that you've been given that were pretty significant, though, maybe ones that blew you away, uh, perhaps maybe you've, you got engaged over the holidays, or... Or maybe, uh, you know, you see these commercials with like a Lexus and a, and, a, and a bow on top of the car, which just makes me laugh because I'm like, now who would be doing that? And, uh, you know, but some of you, maybe you got a car for Christmas and way to go. Um, you know, one thing I got a number of years ago that means a lot to me, and I I'm, I'm, might be kind of tacky, it's not my normal black one that I have up here. But I was gifted this Bible from my wife, Brady. And the experiences that I've had with this particular Bible have been such a blessing. That was one of the greatest gifts that's ever been given to me at, at Christmas time from Brady. You know, and you can all think of maybe gifts that you've received. And I called this series The Gift Exchange because I think there's things in our life, that's what today's topic is, but you know what, the, the, the exchange that he gives is just incredible. He says, give me your worry, and guess what? I'm going to give you peace. You bring those things to me, and there's gifts I'm going to give you in exchange for that. Seems kind of unfair, but in the midst of that, that's just the, the way God works. He's a God of grace. And he says, bring me those things, and I'm going to give you some amazing things in return. And so we'll be focusing on that throughout the month of December. And today we start with the topic of worry or anxiety. Can anybody relate to that topic right now? Anybody ever struggled with worry or, or anxiety or just, you know, maybe it's just a lack of peace in your home, in your relationships, in your job, whatever that might be? But I think we can all at some level relate to stress given to worry or anxiety. The average person's anxiety is focused on several things. 
40%, it's usually focused on things that will never happen. Almost half the time people worry, it's over things that will actually never happen. 30% of worry or anxiety is focused on things in the past that can't be changed. So here you're almost at three quarters of the, the things people stress and worry about are things that don't happen and things you can't change. But yet we worry about those things. And we have an anxiety with that. 12% worry about criticism from other people. We'll just put that one to rest and say the only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. Okay, stay focused on that. Another 10% worry and, and stress about their health, which if you think about it, in turn creates even more health problems. And then 8% actually worry about real problems that can be fixed or faced. So that small percentage there are ones that we can actually do something about. But a bulk of that worry, a bulk of that anxiety is on things that, that we can't change in our past or things that won't even happen in the future. J. Arthur Rank, an English executive, decided to do all of his worrying on one day every week. He chose Wednesdays. And when anything ever happened, he gave that, that maybe there was anxiety that built up in him or he was annoyed by his ulcer. He would write it down and put it in his worry box and he'd forget about it until next Wednesday. The interesting thing was that on the following Wednesday when he opened up the worry box, he found that most of the things that had been disturbing him had actually moved on in that time. It would have been useless for him to worry about them because they didn't amount to anything anyways. Maybe we should start a worry box, open it on Wednesdays. Worry is fear's extravagance. It extracts interest on trouble before it comes due. It constantly drains the energy that God gives us to face daily problems and to fulfill our many responsibilities. It is therefore a sinful waste to worry. A woman who had lived long enough to have learned some important truths about life remarked, I've had a lot of troubles and most of which never happened. She had worried about many things that had never occurred and had come to see the total futility of her anxieties. Today's message is about our worry in exchange for his peace. And if you're at Luke chapter 2, I want to read to you this Christmas passage. You'll see here starting in verse 1. The Bible says that in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That verse right there, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, is the one I really want to focus in on. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Other translations would say, with whom he is pleased. The Roman world was experiencing something called Pax Romana, or Roman peace, and it was marked by external tranquility. There wasn't the, the war that they were waging as a consistency of they used to have. But the angels proclaimed a peace that goes much deeper than the surroundings, and it goes right into the heart. And they said, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isaiah 9 says that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Jesus came to establish a kingdom like none other. And it was not the kind of kingdom that the Jews were expecting. They were kind of sick of Roman oppression. You know, they sort of had jurisdiction over the Jews, and they were tired of this. They were ready for a Savior to rise up and lead their kingdom, basically to the point where they'd be free from this Roman oppression. Thing is, that's not exactly why Jesus came. He came to break oppression that goes much deeper than external circumstances. He came to break the oppression that's in people's hearts. The kingdom of God is something that starts in your heart when you put your faith and trust in Christ. Romans 14 tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. One of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And that comes into the life of a believer but here's the thing. Peace is not assured to all people. And I want you to lean in for a second when I say this. Peace is given only to those that are living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. You look at this verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, and peace on earth to who? To whom his favor rests. That means you can't be out living a life of disobedience and expect God's peace to be present in your life, to be present in your home. God's peace is given to those in whom his favor rests. We're going to break this down a little bit. I want to be clear on something. Scripture is very clear that God does not show favoritism. You know, he doesn't like me more than you or you more than me. It's a level playing field, okay? But something I do want to be clear on is the scriptures do tell us that God does show favor to people. 
And God does show favor to certain people. Let me break this down for you a little bit in the Bible. In Luke, a little bit later in chapter 2 here, the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see it in Jesus' life. There's a point where Jesus is getting baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. And he's baptized, and the heavens open up, and they say the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and there's a voice from heaven, and it's God the Father, and he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And that word that's translated with whom I'm well pleased can be the, basically the same word here in Luke chapter 2, where it says, peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. It's like the same word. Peace is given to those that God is pleased with. That's an important thing to take away today. There's other people in the Bible that are mentioned to have favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, Moses, Samuel, and Mary, just to name a few, where Scripture flat out says these people found favor with the Lord. Again, God doesn't show favoritism, but he does show favor. And I want to break that down. I, part of me thought a good title for this message would, would have been a house of peace and faith. The architecture, if you will. And I want to recognize that what does it look like to have a house where God's peace and God's favor is present? And I want to just start with the most basic but crucial component to this structure. And that's the foundation of Jesus Christ. The foundation Peace with God is received by faith in Jesus. And it's on believers that his favor would rest. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And this standing is a right standing with God. Isaiah says that the effects and the results of righteousness is quietness, it's trust, and it's peace flow out of a heart that's right with God. Charles Wesley penned a famous hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and the line is, Peace on the earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, peace can be made in your spirit. You can move from living an unrighteous life and you can stand in the righteousness of Christ and what he's done for you. God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This comes as you're believing in Christ. Peace is available because you believe. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. He took the punishment so that we might have peace in our life. So here's a question for you. Is it possible for somebody to be saved and yet still lack peace in their life? Is it possible for somebody to have a relationship with Jesus and yet they still struggle with a lack of peace? 
And the answer to that is yes, it is possible. I had you all, by show of hands, how many struggle with worry or anxiety? A number of you raised your hand, and I believe a number of you are saved, yet that was something we said we struggle with. So I hope that part of this structure of this home I'm going to show you on the screen, I'm going to lay out four here. In my study of peace and God's favor and grace, I believe if you apply these things into your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe God's peace will totally reign in your home. The first one is a love for God's word. Proverbs 8 says that for whoever finds wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Where do we get our wisdom? Facebook. (laughs) Uh, The 6 o'clock news. 6 a.m., turn it on, all I need to know for the day. This is where you gain wisdom. Peace and a favor into your life that is beyond understanding. It's beyond understanding. Psalm 119 says, A great peace is found by those who love God's law. Another pillar is a focused pursuit of God and his ways. A focused pursuit. How many of you know we can get lackadaisical in our pursuit of God? You know, we can let things get in the way, distract us, you know, get our mind off of what we should be thinking and all of those things. But a focused pursuit will bring peace and favor into your home. Isaiah 26 says, God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Isaiah 48 says, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. If we pay attention, if we have focus, peace will be present. A couple kings in scriptures sought the Lord for his favor. One of them, Hezekiah, and the other one, Jehoahaz. Scripture talks about them seeking out God's favor. Guess what? It's okay to do that. Seek him. Pursue him. Have a focused pursuit of God, and you'll find peace and favor. Another pillar is a life of obedience. Okay? James says you can can read the scriptures, but if you're not actually applying it into your life, you're fooling yourself. You think you're doing religious things. Maybe you showed up to church today, and you feel like, I'm doing my my, uh, duty checking that off the list, but then come Monday, I'm going back to to life as I see fit. And anything that I've gained from the scriptures, I'm not applying into my life, you're fooling yourself. James says you're fooling yourself. You're deceiving. You think you're religious, but you're not. Proverbs 3 says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For a length of days and years of life and peace will then be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and goodness in the sight of God and man. Obeying God's word will bring peace 
and favor. In the words of Charles Stanley, he says, the peace of God is not the result of living any way that you choose. You're not going to get peace from God if you choose to do your own thing. It's the result of living a godly lifestyle which is characterized by obedience and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, a good man obtains favor from the Lord. But a man of evil devices, he condemns. Obedience is important in this illustration of a house with favor and peace. The last pillar is a heart of humility. It's a heart of humility. Proverbs 3 says, Towards the scorners the Lord is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Peter, encouraging people to cast their cares upon the Lord, right before that he says, Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your cares upon him or your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. But right before that, Peter says, uh, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Job 22 says, submit to God and you'll have peace and then things will go well for you. Submit to God. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And James 4 tells us ourselves before God. Humble ourselves. In the structure of a home, a house of peace and favor, I think you've got to throw the roof in there. And the roof, I just, I think the roof is God's grace. How many are you thankful for God's grace? I mean, I think that's something that I don't think we can pray enough for. God, give me the grace to accomplish this. Give me the grace to be a good parent. Give me the grace to be a good spouse, to be a good employee or employer. Give me the grace to be a good leader. Give me the grace to walk in the ways that I need to walk. Grace is an important thing. And I believe that covers a home where there's a love for his word and there's a pursuit of God and there's an obedience to his ways and there's a humility recognizing you need him more and more every day. And God just pours out his grace. Psalm 5 says God covers the righteous with favor as a shield. Isaiah 32 says God's people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet, resting places. This is God's grace at work in the life of a believer. This is God's grace. Peter says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. That was a prayer, words that he said to people he was writing to, and the same would be from my heart to yours. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And in a home of God's favor, there should be the presence of peace. But here's the thing. We've all, we, we were very honest at the beginning. Even if Christ is in my life, there's still going to be moments, there's going to be reasons why peace is lacking. And I don't know what that is for you today, 
but I've got a video I want to show you. Maybe you identify with some of these people and some of their reasons why peace is lacking in their life. Would you please show that video? Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. We all have reasons maybe we lack peace in our life or maybe our home. I hope this message today causes us to do a little inventory. You know, where's my relationship at with Christ? Is salvation in my home, in the home of my heart? Where's my love for God's word? Where's my pursuit of him, my obedience to him? My humility, is that present in your home? And I encourage you to lean in because God can bring a peace into your life that absolutely dominates those thoughts and those feelings that you saw on the screen. Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus didn't say in this world, you know, you might run into some things here and there. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world.
And he says, peace I leave you. I leave with you peace. And it's not the kind of peace you can find in this world. It's not a peace that the world gives. It's a peace that I give, and it's lasting peace. Tony Evans said it best. Peace doesn't mean that you'll not have problems. Peace means that your problems will not have you. Peace means that you will not have problems, or excuse me, peace doesn't mean that you'll not have problems. Peace means that your problems will not have you. So my response is, what are areas that you need the Holy Spirit to come in and work on so that peace can reign in your life, in your home, in your relationships, in your walk and journey? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, I thank you that you're the giver of peace. That as you came to this earth, the angels, the heavenly hosts were declaring the kind of peace that you would bring. Not only to this planet, but to people's hearts, to people's homes. And Father, I want to take a moment and to respond in these areas that your spirit is revealing to us. Perhaps there's somebody listening right now that one of those pillars you're struggling with. You need to surrender that over to the Lord. Or perhaps you're sitting here today and you're listening and, and you can't think of a time where you, by faith, said, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. And I'm asking for salvation. If you want to invite Christ into your life, if there's somebody that feels compelled by the Holy Spirit to respond to Jesus today, I simply ask that you'd pray with me quietly in your heart. Just say, Lord, that you'd save me from my sin. Forgive me for all the things I've done wrong. Cleanse me and make me a new person. And today I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who came to this earth in a lowly manger, but died on a cross on a hill called Calvary and where I could be set free from sin. And today as I place my faith and trust in you, I thank you for this gift of salvation. And with every head bowed, with every eye closed, closed, if there's somebody that prayed with me this morning to receive Christ into your life, will you just simply acknowledge that moment with me? by simply lifting your hand and saying, Pastor Russ, I prayed that with you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. It's okay to acknowledge this moment. Anyone else prayed that prayer of salvation with me this morning? 
Father, I thank you for this gift of salvation. I pray that you'd make this real for those who've responded today. And I pray, Father, that your peace would reside in our homes. And recognizing that peace comes to those on whom your favor rests. So help us to walk in your favor, in your grace, and in your peace. Your word says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with us all. We thank you for your presence. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive Him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with the Bible. And it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.